You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. It's Friday afternoon. It's it's two days after Tracy Pearson's birthday. Woo-hoo. Boy, howdy. So a lot of people got the wrong wrong memo from last week's show, Tracy. I know, but is, that, that got me well uh, birthday wishes for over a week. So that It was got good. you lubricated for your birthday. I'm lubricated even as we speak. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Uh, we are... We Thanks are, for a messy chair, but... Yeah, yeah well, you know, um, it keeps things cool on a hot July day. One of my daughter's friends, a guy, listened to our podcast, loves it, says loves it, but he said, when we start talking about sexual in- innuendo, it's really cringeworthy. That's what he said. So you know what we're going to do, Dave? We're going to do that more? More, please. Yeah, yeah. obviously. I, I'm just looking so forward to... To hearing about him cringe. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Cringeworthy. That's our show. Um, all right. Well, we have a lot to talk about today, Tracy. Um, we do. Which is something we say, uh, whether it's true or not. And uh, I'll leave it to them to determine whether it's true this week. Every talk show host says that at the top yeah. of it. Yeah. So much to talk about. Yeah, uh, so much. Tracy wrote a story today about the basketball roster. Uh, now that we have finally been able to reveal... The UIP, uh, Burke by a Tunsil, I'm going to go with. Um, uh, with the G. It's, and it's BU. It's BU Tunsil. Wow, really? BU Tunsil, yeah. Wouldn't have gone there in a million years. Yeah, it's BU Tunsil. But when they Tungel. say it, it kind of flows so much better and it really sounds good. BU Tunsil. All right, the UIP. Uh. <laughs> no, I don't want to use that anymore. <laughs> uh, we we're finally able to identify that. So we're going to talk about the basketball roster. We also wanted to talk about um, a, a different way of thinking about where UCLA stands in the Big Ten uh, in terms of recruiting heading into 2024. Uh, and then some of the recruiting uh, misses of the last couple of weeks and just kind of what we think about that. So let's start with basketball, though. Let's start with the uh, happy talk, the happy crappy. Um, so Burke, uh Buyutunjgo. What'd you say? <laughs> There's a G in there. Buyutunjgo. Buyutunjgo. Okay. I'll I'll get that after like the fifth or sixth time. Yeah. Buyutunjgo. Uh, he um. He's was, good, Dave. He's 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 pretty good. He's a pretty good uh, basketball player. Um, you have to admit it feels good to be able to talk about him, right? It does wow. feel good. I would say of the of the international prospects. He and uh, you have a boy crush on him, don't you? I do, That's and true. but Alan uh, Fible, uh, <laughs> no, it's it, it's not, it's Fibloe, F- it's Fibloe. No, it's not. He said his name, it's not Fibloe. Okay, what did he say? It's Fibloe, 
Fible. <laughs> I, it's, but see, they're just saying it fast. It's Fible. No, it's Fible. <laughs> Anyway, okay. uh, he those two are the ones I'm most excited about. Um, mostly because I think they're the two best players in the bunch. Um, and uh, Burke, from just watching a little bit of the FIBA stuff, um, I think you've got to be excited about him and his potential to not just you know be a good player at UCLA, but to make an impact this year. Um, he's got a lot of assets but the advanced feel for the game and just passing ability is probably the part of him that i'm most excited about um in that you know six nine long package um you know he's gonna be able to see yeah you like that (laughs) did you like that that one's for you spencer (laughs) uh but yeah i mean i'm really excited about him and uh hopefully we get a uh we get to hear some sort of public announcement uh, here in the next week because we're we're mm. in this uncomfortable position, Tracy, because we're we're like waiting on some like content we want to like write, you know. And I'm about, lubricated sitting here, so yeah. yeah, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, we're we're waiting to do this, and we need kind of we need that last little thing, which is one of these guys saying, "Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm really committed." Uh, before we can write that stuff, well, so. and that they're admitted into school too, which we've been telling y'all that's that's happened but so, like yeah. we, we but still they don't done... care you gotta understand <laughs> they do not <laughs> we still haven't done an an adai mara or a burke commitment analysis, commitment analysis. And, and we and we can't until like they're actually like you know 95 well, percent yeah. like public and it's i guess i mean yet. i guess we really can we do we do commitment anal- analyses when uh, a high school player just verbally commits um, what we were doing before with the international guys, we weren't doing it because just because they're assigning uh, signing a grant and aid, it wasn't one hundred percent certain. And with international guys, it's a little bit. But here's my issue, more variable. Tracy. But with the high school guys, when they do it, it's a little bit more reliable. Even though it isn't, it's a little bit more. So we, we could still do it. Let's do it. No, 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 no. Hang I on. I want to do it. No, hang on. There's another aspect of this, which is with the high school guys. We do commitment analysis when they do a public commitment. Adai Mara, the the only public information about him having committed to UCLA is stuff that is reported secondhand. That's true. He has not himself said, I am committed to UCLA. I am going there. Burke, like we still haven't even, we've, we've basically written around the idea that he is verbally committed to UCLA. And it's just like, uh. it's because It's because it has become such a thing in the United States when you're a high school recruit to make your announcement. To right. go on social media, have a video, or do some kind of, uh, you know, video, graphics, something, some edit, right? I yes. mean, it's a big thing. They don't, the, the international guys don't know what that is. They All they know is, I've, I've gotten in, I've admitted, I've told those UCLA coaches that, that like, cute uh, little guy over there at UCLA that I'm, I'm going to that school and that's where I'm going. So they think it's done. They don't get it. Well, and the thing is, then we're in this uncomfortable position where I've got somebody asking us on the board yesterday, why are you calling Burke a target still? And I'm like, what's a word for what this situation is? You help me. You figure it out for me. What is the word? Well, if he didn't sign a binding letter of intent, I mean, they're all targets anyway. Because right. they could go someplace else. So you, you, I didn't want to defend that. Yeah, no, but it's, 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 you know, I mean, they should think of us. These international guys, they need to think of us. No, the fans need to think of us. Everyone needs to think of us. Actually, <laughs> the first thought in everyone's mind 
when my wife needs morning, to consider me. Think about me, right? Now. When they wake up in the morning, what 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 are Dave and Tracy feeling right now? What emotions? What turmoil are they are they troubling with? That's a, that's a really good theory. I like yeah. it. I, I completely agree. Everyone needs to do that. You know, you, you get your little moment of, you know, maybe you do a little zen. You yeah. know, throughout the day, you do your yoga, something. Yeah. Think, think about Dave and Tracy. Exactly. Um, all right. So you wrote a thing about the basketball roster now that we have a little bit more clarity on it. And I agree with pretty much every word except for, obviously, that Will McClendon is getting the 10 minutes at backup point guard. Uh, but aside from that. <laughs> Did you see I added, just for you when I was writing this thing at 530 in the morning, <laughs> I added a thing about his turnover ratio. That was for you. I Dave. appreciated that about you. Um, <laughs> And, and as Dave, we don't need anyone else. We no, got each other. Screw fun, off. Everyone the, else can screw off. The funniest thing, Tracy, is as soon as it's like mid-December and Mick has that one game where he just blows a gasket, benches V-Day for the entire second half, and Will McClendon gets like six minutes at backup point guard, I'm going to be shouting, I told you so. And it's just going to be that one game. It's just going to be one single game where it happens, but I'm going to be so validated. And the 19 other games where it was invalidated, you're Uh going to throw those out. Those won't matter. Those won't matter. Those don't matter. They already don't matter. Um, But yeah, uh, there's a lot in there. Everyone should read it. Um, Well, let's, I mean, we uh, we should talk a little bit about it. Well, I I know, but I'm telling everyone they should read it. Oh, okay. It just sounded like you were were saying, hey, read read it. it. And that's it. Just read it. No, pause this show. Read it. Then come back. That's a good idea. Or yeah. we could just have a big blank time in the middle right here. Where, where, where we all paused. reread it. Yeah, we have to remember what you wrote. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought you touched on a lot of good stuff. And I think um, the uh, idea of V-Day like, potentially playing, having to play multiple roles um, because of his scoring ability on top of his ball handling ability is right on the money, especially with McClendon. You know, he hasn't shown enough to be, you know, oh, yeah, we can, you know, let's give him 15 minutes a game. You don't know what you're going to get from him from a confidence standpoint. You know, he's not going to turn over the ball. That's about it. That's about all you know. Um, And Sebastian Mack is a freshman, so it's a wild card. And Vide's a freshman, too, but, you know, has maybe played a little bit higher level competitive basketball. So the thought is, you know, Vide might end up playing – a couple different roles, which is a lot to ask of any freshman, even an international one who's pretty seasoned. Yeah, it truly is. Um, just to break down those skills, because it's not that we're like saying Jan Vida is this incredible, amazing player who's, you know, no. f- flawless. What he does well, um, he's six, four and a half to six, five. Um, so he's a big kid for a lead guard. Um, he is strong on the ball because of that size, and he and he's a good ball handler. He's a very good, solid ball handler. So, um, when you're the point guard, lead guard in Mick Cronin's offense, the very first thing you need to do is bring the ball up the floor. And a lot of times, the other guys bring the ball up the floor too. But they need to know that there is a solid ball handler who can't get trapped, who can't get picked. And from what I can see, again, uh, among who he's played against. Uh, especially Kylan Boswell. Um, Kylan Boswell looked like a small guy who couldn't even touch him, um, Vide, and and Boswell trying to defend him. So bringing up the ball, I think he's good. Could he turn it over a few times? Yeah, he's a freshman 
point guard. So there's that. Um, I've really been watching him defensively because my, of course, my theory is you can get on the court and stay on the court. Um, it should be this generally with every program, but especially with McCronin's program, if you play defense. And I thought he was a good defender. Then watching him in the U19 games, I, I really believed now that he is a good on-ball defender. Uh, because of that size, he he covers a lot of ground compared to like a 6-1 point guard. And he's quicker than he looks, and he has good defensive instincts. Now, team defense is a whole different thing. Uh, it's going to be on a whole different level than than what he's probably ever played before. Um, so, I mean, Slovenia played a little bit, mostly played a lot of, everyone's playing the pack style. So, the, so that will help. But there are levels and nuances to the Cronin's help defense that, and in detail that he's going to have to learn. Um, but I think he basically will be able to stay with guards and not let them blow past him. So that's key. That the, is key. Yeah. The third thing he does really well, exceptionally well. Now those two things will get him on the court as a backup point guard. The third thing that he does that he does probably the best I've seen seriously in recent years of any incoming freshman is he's very good with the pick and roll game. He can just from his own standpoint of scoring, if he gets into the lane, he's pretty lethal. He he's he has a very good uh, mid-range jump shot. He's got a little runner floater game and it's it's hard to defend. You could see other teams we're trying specifically to do things to limit him coming off that pick. Um, that's going to get him. You know, I know Mick Cronin and just about any coach loves that now. Are guys who know how to do that because it's so prevalent in the game. And, and really, players don't know how to do that, the pick and roll. Both the guy who's sent the pick and both the guy who's, who's coming off of it. So those three things I think are going to get him on the court. I would be surprised if we're just talking from a backup point guard standpoint that either Will McClendon um, or Sebastian Mack uh, are ahead of him um, when it comes to just that role. But now you're talking about what else he might, he might play off the ball along with Dylan Andrews. And that's another thought. That's another place that could get him some more playing time. Um, I had I've I've penciled in Alon Fibloy into that shooting guard spot just at least to begin the season because I think uh, Savanovic will start at the small forward spot to to begin the season, but there's a very real possibility that um, Vide makes makes a um, a serious play for uh, some playing time at that off guard spot. The big thing with me with um, Vide playing off the ball uh, is they're going to need three-point shooting from that spot, and he's not yet a polished three-point shooter. Um, and not, that's not to say that anybody is, really, who's a newcomer. Um, they all have to learn to shoot at the college level, which is a different deal. Uh, but he, he goes through periods where he is... Um, he, like there are stretches that if you squint, they're McClendon esque uh, from last year. It's true, but why I don't think it might be that big of an issue, Dave, is because they're among the candidates to play that shooting guard spot. There isn't anyone who's a good three point shooter. 
Except yeah, Sebastian Mack in Sebastian high school, Mack. but we see how that works out. Yeah, no, totally. And and that's what I'm saying is that there probably isn't a great option. Um, and that was, you know, as we were talking about heading into this transfer cycle, that was why we were, you know, talking about Cam Spencer and other guys who could potentially fill a role as a uh, volume three-point shooter. Um, but the V-Day stuff is interesting. Um, I would say one note from what Tracy said that I think everyone needs to kind of get through their skulls is last year... Going into the year, um, I and, and I think Tracy too, we kind of poo pooed Mick on saying that. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna have a <laughs> now lot scatological of, uh, yeah. humor, Dave. Okay. <laughs> they're gonna have a lot of work to do defensively. You know, they're probably not gonna be very good. Too many freshmen, and that was that was nonsense at the time. Um, you know, if you if you knew what you were looking at, this was gonna be a, a good defensive team, and I think Mick knew that too. He just didn't want to gas him up in November. Um, and they ended up number two in adjusted defense. That's not going to be the team this year. Um, they truly do have too many freshmen. And also, the parts, even the guys who weren't um, uh, elite on-ball defenders, they had been in the system so long that they just knew where to be. Help defense, team defense, all that kind of stuff that makes it all flow and look right. Uh, that's not going to happen this year. No matter how good a guy is individually, as like a... I've got good basketball instincts and all that kind of stuff. There's a big difference between that and learning the intricacies of, especially uh, not just a college level defense, but a Cronin defense. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. I would expect the defense to drop back. I don't think it's going to drop back to where it was two years ago, but I would expect it to drop back into the top 25, not top five. Oh, um, dang. <laughs> That's horrible. Well, no, but like no, I, I think I everyone's got to, they yeah. got to build that into their uh, their calculations that um, it's it's going to look much more like a work in progress. So when we're talking about a guy like Vide, you know, as a as a help defender, still needing a lot of work, he's going to be one of a few uh, in the major minutes rotation who are going to look rough at times, especially in November and December, getting used to this defensive system. Because there's the difference between when you're Amari Bailey. And, yes. you, and you don't know what you're doing, but you're plugging into a team with a lot of guys who know what they're doing, exactly. as opposed to being a team of a lot of guys who don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah, it's it, Dylan Andrews and, and Adem Bona are like the you know the old men of the starting group. Yeah, um, they're going to be telling everyone else where to go. Yeah, and those guys were the ones who were being told as late as March uh, of last year. So it's so, yeah. going to be a learning curve. So with Jan Vita, there are two things. Uh, he doesn't shoot well from the outside. Um, but you know, basketball coaches, basketball, it's so funny. Basketball coaches love three point shooters, obviously. But when you talk to them talking about poo pooing, they poo poo it. They say, Hey, I don't care how the guy gets the ball in the basket. So, Mm -hmm. but let's just say that is his drawback that plus he turns over the ball a lot. Um, he'll force, he'll force things. He'll force drives. He'll get picked. Um, and as I wrote that, that ain't going to make it. Um, you know, there's a good way to think about this too. Uh, whether you're a made man in Mick Cronin's culture here, um, you've got to prove to him that you're tough, that you've put in the hours in uh, the gym, in the off season, that you show up to all the meetings, you've done all the work, you do extra time in the gym, you're physically and mentally tough. Um, that goes a long way for him. Even when fans are watching a game, Cody Riley a couple of years ago, and they're wondering why he's in the game, it's because Cody Riley was a made man. Now, whether 
Mick Cronin's right or wrong for this. I'm just telling you this is how it is. Uh, Cody Riley was a tough ass since the first time he got he, that Mick Cronin met him. Um, I mean, when Mick Cronin were trying to get was trying to get all those original players that he inherited um, to buy into his team concept and the toughness, the mental and physical toughness. I mean, I mean, he harangued them quite extensively, and Cody Riley was the guy's all, yeah, let's do it. I mean, didn't phase him, was there. So you're a made, you can become a made man in Mick Cronin's culture. Uh, it will be interesting to see who that is among those three guys that we just mentioned, Sebastian Mack. Will McClendon looked like he was there last year because he was not playing well, but he, he kept getting playing time. Um, and it, think and about that Vita. with McClendon, by the way, is it took an entire season of that before you start you saw him start to lose a little bit of that luster because he yeah. was still playing heavy minutes up until probably the last three weeks of the season. See, that's the other thing, too. When we're talking about minutes, um, you know, UCLA fans have drummed it into their own brain that Mick Cronin has a plays a very limited bench, and last year he did. Uh, there were only eight guys uh, that played double digits per game. But the other years, he had 10 guys and nine guys that played double digits. It just seems like that because he pulled them a lot, <laughs> that they weren't necessarily playing a lot. Oh, one turnout, turnover, you're out. But they still played a decent amount. I mean, he had 10 guys that played double digit minutes. Um, that's using your bench about as much as you possibly can. So um, I don't know if he, while we're talking about how great this bench is, I, I don't know. He, 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 Mick Cronin does this out of two different things. One, you're a made man and he knows you and trusts you. Or two, he's just desperate and he has no one else to play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so either one of those scenarios could happen for a number of guys this year. Um, but I think their wing um, rotation, it's going to be Fabloy. I mean, I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. Um, we, If you saw, I mean, you can't put too much on a, on a vertical, but he's, he's, you saw that tweet. Yeah. He can move. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. Um and he's very skilled. I think he'll be a great defensive player. He'll he is six six, and I'm told even taller uh, that now that he's UCLA and he's been measured. Um, but he's quick enough to guard uh, smaller opponents and strong enough and big enough to defend against bigger opponents. So that's going to keep him on the floor. Safanovic, you gotta play. He, uh, is there anyone else who has any <laughs> real experience on this team? So they're going to get the bulk of the minutes. And then the other three guys will be in kind of a little battle to see who gets those backup minutes at the, those two wing spots. Yeah. But I, well, especially early on, especially yeah. in those, uh, those first two months of the season. But uh, uh, be a Tunsil. <laughs> Tunjil. Be a yeah, Tunjil. you just messed it up. I just messed it up. Be Ber- a Berkey. Um, UIP. We saw him enough. I mean, I've saw I watched him a lot before when he was the UIP, but watching him in that U nineteen World Cup, he he's an impressive player. He's the kind of guy that you if you, everyone's always looking for that face up four, right? 
there, there aren't too many of them. You're either a post or you've become a wing um, who won't post up anyone. He's that he has that inside outside game. So he's a little bit of that unicorn power forward. That is well, a real tough matchup in college. He's the only option there. I mean, unless unless sophomore Brandon Williams has uh, has uh, time traveled back to this season, um, the, there's nobody else. I mean, and he's a good option, but I don't think they have an ideal, um, you know, that that big wing uh, aside from him. Yeah. Um, so it's you know it's it's sort of a necessity thing, but he just so happens to, you know, also be in contention for maybe the best player among those international prospects. I know though the staff is really and I know you're going to poo-poo this. That's you got to get poo-poo in the title. Oh yeah, Dave. poo-poo. Um that they they really want to see how they can play a Dembona and a Daimara together. Yeah. And and Berke, too. I know they're sitting at home right now even as we speak. Well, actually Every they're they're on the East Coast watching some bad AAU basketball. Every thinking basketball about how they coach, think get those three guys in the game at the same time. Every basketball coach over the age of 50 wants to uh, turn back the clock to when you could play multiple posts and a big wing at the same time and really dominate a team, but that's just not the way the sport works anymore. Um, I think they can do it, and I think they're going to have to because, like I just said, they don't have another option at the four besides uh, Burke. I don't think Brandon Williams is going to be ready. Um, so they're probably going to have to play Bona there uh, for like eight to ten minutes a game. Um, they're going to get cooked defensively because there are a lot of teams that can immediately switch on a dime to playing essentially a four-guard lineup against that, and... Yeah, I think a Dembona can guard a lot of guys. I do not think it's ideal for him to be guarding six four. Um, and well, I don't think I want to see it though. I do want to see it, and we have seen it, and it's been kind of fun. Yep. But I also don't think it's ideal then, because the thing is, oh, go around me. You think you beat me? <laughs> well, the thing is, Mara, uh, there's a little block from behind. Yeah, Mara's got a lot of work to do defensively too. Like he's got, he's he's got to make some strides there, and. There's a lot of six, seven, six, eight posts who are going to have a nice time getting around him. Um, so, I think I think there are some offensive advantages for it, absolutely, and I think they could take advantage in fits and bursts and you know that sort of thing. But as a as a significant option that they're using, you know, I don't think it'll be ten minutes a game come March. Um, I, I think they're going to have to limit it as much as possible. Because the defensive drop-off, I think, is going to be considerable. I think by that time, they're going to try it out. They'll experiment. And I think it will settle into it's a matchup thing. So if they come into the tournament and there's a team that they feel they can match up really well by doing that, they I, I think that's where Cronin will probably employ it Here's the late question. in the season. But wait, okay. I want to I got, talk I got, about a Dai Mara, question. too. Because, one, question about, yeah. one question about this first. Sure. When they go small... So in the past, when they broke down and had to go small, last year, Jalen Clark was the backup four. And then when he went down, it was Will McClendon. Who is their emergency small backup four this year? So throw out the centers. You think it's Stefanovic? Yeah, you were already saying you thought he was going to play the four. Yeah, but you you scoffed. Um, No, I scoffed because I was, at that point, we were in a transition period where I was saying, no, there's another guy. It's a, he's a UIP that's going to play <laughs> right. there. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. All right. Say what you're going to say. Uh, Adaimara. Uh, so this is kind of what happens with uh, when bros watch games. 
and they immediately knee-jerk react to what they just saw, one, without having seen a lot of different games to have better context. Uh, two, I'm pulling rank here. A lot of you just, there's a lot of guy, you're just looking at stuff and you don't know what you're looking at. Um, and it's especially so, that's scouting in general, but that's especially so with bigs. Bigs are different. You cannot compare a Daimara's motor because the most recent big you've seen watching basketball is a Dembona. It's not fair. He's a unicorn. For a 7-3 guy, go out and watch some 7-3 guys. They all move like they're asleep. Like they're asleep. He moves pretty well for a 7-3 guy. You got to go, get that go in watch, your head. Go watch Zach Eady as a freshman. Just not even moving, but his motor is pretty good. First off, if you just watched that game yesterday, he was injured. Guys, watch the game. He came out and he was over there moving on his, I think it was his knee that w- that was injured. He didn't play most of the game. After he spent the first three minutes blocking three shots easily. So, uh, guys, this among everyone, we like Burke, obviously. I think Burke, Bona, uh, sorry. Burke, Mara, and Fabloya are all three potential first-round draft choices coming in on in this recruiting class. Yeah, but Mara is the freak. He's seven-three, and he has an offensive game. I've already had different coaches say to me, "I've watched him. Holy crap! His offense. He's got that. That's a unique, unique offensive skill set for someone who's seven-three. He is unique." <laughs> Yeah, I know. He, uh, wow, he missed some free throws. Wow, he spun there and he got in trouble underneath the basket. Guys, the, this this is I've watched so many post players over the years. He has a unique offensive skill set. Defensively, he'll have a way to go because he's gonna he's got to put on some strength, and he probably won't by his freshman year. But I've also watched him go up against bigger, stronger guys, and he held his mostly held his position. He's better than you just saw yesterday in that game. So, I I mean, I think personally, he will be very tempted to go pro after one year because he will be hearing from NBA franchises that are saying, oh, we're going to take you in the first round. You're you're a potential freak. Um, Hopefully, he'll stay two years. But And I can tell you, the indications he's making to various people is that he, he wants to stay at least two years at UCLA. There, there, there's a big nugget for you. But um We like nuggets. We like big nuggets. But Adai Mara is <laughs> might not be the most effective when the guy when they all come in and start playing, but he has easily the most upside. And by the end of next season could be a complete game changer by March. Well, that's exciting stuff to hear. Yeah. Um yeah, and you know, even if they end up platooning those two, can you imagine being the team that has to? Okay, first we're going to deal with athletic six eight and a half freak Adem Bona, and we're going to you know de- design our defensive game plan around handling you know those alley oops and all that kind of stuff, and then you have to pivot and somehow come up with a plan for defending seven three. Like even if they're not on the court at the same time. There are not too many teams that have a guy that can match up with both of those dudes. Well, just think what what he's got to do. Um, if you need to defend either one of those guys, uh, Adai Mara is going to post you up with uh, and have little spins, great footwork, a little jump hook. 
that if you're six nine, you can't defend that. He's seven three. So then you're just maybe starting to get a little theory on how to do that. And then a Dembona comes off, <laughs> comes in to the game. And this is a guy who's hyper athletic, so quick, and you can't stay with him. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I pity. Yeah. I, I mean, other teams are going to have to have a really athletic guy to stay within Dembona, like we saw this last season. And then a big, long, old, experienced post to defend a Daimara. Because yeah. that's, that's not the same guy. No, no, it's not. And uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how teams approach that. Um, because, and when they're on the floor at the same time, again, it's going to be a really, really tough defensive matchup for a lot of teams. Just they might be able to cook them on the other end. Um, but defensively, teams are going to have a ton of trouble. Um, and, and then really fast, touching on, I, I think we're done the class, the roster, the depth chart. 2024 recruiting. They have Eric Freeney, a committed guard. He's getting really, really good reviews back from the Adidas tournament um, back there somewhere in South Carolina. Got to get um, that fourth star going. <laughs> I don't know if he'll do that, but uh, I, I like I like him as a three to four year four year guy under McCronin. Uh, really happy with that commitment. Um, and what the staff is doing now is literally looking all they're almost all they're looking for is bigs. They're going to every game where there's a big. If they happen to see a really nice 2024 20, wing and they call and he said, oh, my lifelong dream was UCLA, that might happen. But they'll be able to pick up one wing through the transfer portal or international recruiting. Um, Hugo Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. He's I, really I, good. <laughs> I, I kept watching that game when Adai Mara was hurt and injured just to watch Gonzalez. And yeah. I'm and I'm being honest. I wrote this on the – I know UCLA knows who he is, but I don't know if UCLA is recruiting him. You would think they would be. He's got to be friends with Adai Mara, right? They play in the same national yeah. team. And he's on the same Real Madrid club team with Jan Vide. So there you go. Um, anyway – 2024 recruiting. Right now, it's Makan Dioff. It's the guy from Bella Vista, uh, Scottsdale Bella Vista. Uh, I wrote a lot about him. They're checking it right, even as we speak. They're checking on him grade-wise. Uh, he's originally from Senegal. So checking him out to make sure he's recruitable. But that's really the just about their entire recruiting target list at this point. Um Close to both the Nike Peach Jam and close to the Adidas 3 SSB circuit out there that's out in South Carolina around Georgia. There is also the NBA Academy Africa where uh, UCLA coaches will spend some time looking for a post player. So that's what's going on with 2024 recruiting. They will be looking internationally. And they will be looking transfer portal at the uh, when the portal ends up at the end of when next season ends. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Speaking of 2024 recruiting, how is that for a transition, Tracy? It's seamless. I didn't even notice it if you hadn't said anything. Yeah, no. Uh, the volume changed. Nothing. There was no problem with it. Um, UCLA. Uh, there was so there was a story that I think I think two four seven put it out. Um, of where teams would rank in the Big Ten, and UCLA was 15th in the 2024 class. Or maybe it wasn't a story. Maybe I just looked at it myself. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but you then wrote, uh, I think, an important context point. Um, it, it kind of helps assuage, but also highlights maybe the problem going into the Big Ten, which is, yes, UCLA, if you just go by the uh, 247 rankings for the Big Ten in 2024, and the reason it's now the Big Ten is because that's when uh, this class will be playing. They'll be playing in the Big Ten. They're 15th out of 16 teams ahead of only Indiana. Now, the important thing to consider here, or one of the important things to consider here, is that UCLA only has nine commitments. That is at least three fewer than every single other team in the Big Ten. So what that means is UCLA's average recruiting ranking is actually pretty solid. Uh, They are, I think... I think when you wrote that, they were sixth, might have been fifth. Um, They're sixth now. Um, So that's better, obviously. It's a better better setup. But it does highlight kind of the difference and the the different approach that UCLA is taking with just recruiting generally. And these are pure pure schools now that we're looking at and it's a bigger you know spectrum than just the pac 12 these are 15 other schools in the big 10 nobody is approaching things the way ucla is um where they're they've deprioritized high school recruiting to such an extent and are clearly gearing up to fill out their class at the portal to such an extent and that's not to say it's necessarily not going to work at the level that it has worked the last two years but it is completely discordant with what other schools that they're going to be competing against are doing um, yeah, I mean, you'd have to get a recruiting guy on here for them to know nationally if there are any other schools doing this. Where, I mean, this year it was, what, 13 high school guys signed and 16 transfers? We're that, counting yeah, the JC so. guys too? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if there's other... I, I, and, and just to qualify this, teams that replaced their coaches, you know, some of them did 22 transfers because they had to but programs that have a long-standing head coach to do it this way where they're getting more transfers in high schoolers i don't think there's another program doing it like this we'd have to ask our guy hey get a call call brandon right now <laughs> let's do a call in. brandon uh well here's like the, the thing is like i think it gets lost in this discussion and maybe this is just me being a little bit of an old head, um, but I'm not even that much of an old head. I'm, I'm like old heading back to like the Jim Mora years, but my problem isn't so much that they're recruiting differently than everyone else. It's that they are obviously and clearly recruiting worse than the top four teams in their new league. 
Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, and Penn State, they all have way more commits than UCLA does right now, but they also have a higher average commit rating, and pretty considerably. They're all in the 90s. And yeah, you, observer of UCLA for the last eight years, are like, yeah, of course they do. You know, UCLA doesn't recruit like those programs. And my question would be, again, why not? Well, like, yeah, I, I know yeah. why not, but why not? No, no, like, no, you're exactly right. Because back, <laughs> our old heads take us back not too long just to Jim Mora, but even before that, UCLA recruited with the big boys. They yes. were top 15 recruiting, and that was just high school. They would get guys like Dylan, Dylan Williams or Elijah Rushing. I mentioned those two guys because they just picked other or, schools. Oregon and Arizona. Um, they used to be able to get four and five star guys, uh, and they don't now. That's the thing. They are not getting those guys, and they're still sixth in the Big Ten. And what were the programs ahead of them? Ohio State, <laughs> Michigan, USC, and Penn State all have uh, average commit ratings that are higher, as well as Wisconsin. Yes. And then what will happen if UCLA, well, not if, UCLA is going to get, I mean, we are got a crystal ball, two crystal balls, and there's um, an outstanding boom, and that's Quasi Gilmer. Quasi Gilmer makes them fifth with right. his rating. So name the four schools, programs ahead again. Oh, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, and Penn State. That's who they used to recruit with. They would be ranked around, you know, top 15 among those schools kind of thing. Now, of course, in the last, I don't know how many years, but Ohio State, uh, Alabama are, are recruiting on a, and Georgia recruiting on a, a different tier beyond that, right? Correct. They, they've gone to, a, but that whole other tier where, you know, some years, there were years when UCLA out recruited USC. Yes. Uh, remember that? Yes. Um, there were years when UCLA out recruited Michigan. Those happened. Yes. So, and the thing is, I, everyone's probably screaming at their computers right now, oh, but what about NIL? And I'm like, here's the thing, guys, is uh, look at look at what Jed Fish is doing in Tucson and tell me if you think that Arizona's NIL program is um, just out of this world. Like, do you think it's a top five NIL program? Because that's what it would need to be to recruit at that level in Tucson. Or it should be better than UCLA's football NIL program. Right. There's just no way any of that makes sense. The traditional tropes of recruiting still hold true. Like the the traditional like you got to outwork everybody. You've got to you know be there all the time. You've got to have a really good pitch. You've got to have the head coach doing a lot of the dirty grunt work on the top tier guys. Like you have to have those things to recruit at a super high level, and. And that's not to say, you know, um, the, the the program should be looking to Arizona for their recruiting cues, but there's an element here that I, I think is still just kind of missing. Um, and it's, I, I think some of it is Chip Kelly not being an, an ardent and involved recruiter all the time. Um, I think it's some of its program emphasis, but I think it's also this allure of the transfer portal. So I talked to Jordan Anderson today, and I think this is enlightening because it... it, it it's a dichotomy. Jordan Anderson is the uh, the Bowling Green safety. Yeah, we'll have an interview with him early next week. He has probably. one of those names. You have to qualify him. Sorry. Totally. Maybe yeah, no, by mid-season next year we won't have to. Oh, I almost called him Jordan Adams because you know because um, I'm getting old. 
old but head. an old head. Um, but I was talking to him, and so this is because I don't want to sound like I'm just bagging on the recruiting staff because it's there's a weird thing going on because Jordan Anderson said no school was on him harder than UCLA immediately after he entered the portal. He got calls from uh, Chip Kelly. He got called from Ethan Young, or contacted, whatever. Whatever's within the rules, they did. Uh, But he talked to four different UCLA coaches on the first day, including the head coach, including the then defensive coordinator, Bill McGovern, uh, rest in peace. Um, and all of those guys reached out to him, showed him love on the very first day that the portal that he was in the portal. That kind of maniacal effort in the transfer portal is interesting in the context of what what we tend to hear in the high school ranks. Uh, um, you know what though? I'm cynical. I'll tell you why. And this isn't just my theory. They recognize a guy from. Uh, uh, that Jordan Anderson is the level of guy that they will be, if they go all in on him, they'll be able to get him. Let's not stretch and try for a guy that we don't think we necessarily will get. And But if we really, really turned up our recruiting effort, we might, or we're not even sure, but let's just try it. They're, they're how would you say this? They're, it's low-hanging fruit, but that doesn't even capture it. Um, you know, it, but the thing is, I, I guess, and this is, I think if you did an apples to apples of the like low hanging fruit in the transfer portal versus the low hanging fruit that they're typically going after in the high school ranks, still, I would say the effort is higher in the transfer portal situation. And I think part of it is it's even lower hanging fruit, even when it's a comparably rated guy, because uh, there's less of the BS involved, um, you know, the general purpose butt kissing that has to happen. Um, but I can't remember a high school guy saying, oh, yeah, no, it was a full court press from four coaches on the first day. And that's even like the lower ranked guys. Um, like, So I, I do think there is a difference between how they approach the transfer portal than how they approach high school recruiting in terms of that effort. Yeah, it's probably true. But I mean, you're right. But I'd say I, I just looked this up. They beat out West Virginia, Arkansas and Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. go all in <laughs> and go aggressive on the guy that we are pretty certain we can get. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. And I think that's that's a totally valid critique as well. Um, it's just, I, I, I guess my like general thing, and this is a question for kind of everybody out there, is, and, and it's kind of been my underlying concern throughout, which is, like, are you all happy with, like, are you just kind of content with the last couple years? Um you know, the eight and four and nine and three with two pretty weeks or sorry, the eight and four and then the nine and three with a pretty weak schedule. Um, and recruiting at the level it is right now, which is, I don't know, roughly top 30, I guess would be kind of the, the general sense of it. Yeah. If you, if you project like this recruiting cycle to be similar to last recruiting cycle, which it, you know, probably will be, what were they? 25. Right. Yeah. And that's with all the transfers and everything, with everything baked in about 25th, 30th, somewhere in that range. Like, is that the program that you guys are, you know, you're you're cool with? Like, is that it in perpetuity? Because I, I don't know, maybe it was just um, a little bit of a fever dream and, and it's just kind of the level. But those Mora years weren't. 
it, like there was a little bit of a flash in the pan, I guess, but um, it would have been sustainable uh, if he hadn't gone insane with his, uh, uh, well, defensive and offensive coordinator hires. Um, and that that wasn't that long ago. It's not like we're talking about the 80s. Um, and we've those. all forgotten what, how UCLA can recruit. They've lulled us into a, into a weird somnambulistic... Well, the- yeah, the level of, like, uh, and we're all guilty of it, because, like, we're sitting here talking about, like, oh, wow, it's really nice, they're in the top 25 again. But it's, like, this level of, like, general stupor about the entire thing. Um, it wasn't that long ago that UCLA was, every single year, was in that, like, SI article of Dark Horse National Championship contenders. That was, like, 2013, 2014, and 2015. Uh this wasn't like even a generation ago. It was it was eight years, nine years. So I mean, uh, Alabama was weren't they Alabama when um, uh, Mora was uh, Mora's team uh, with Brett Hundley, who was on the yeah. cover of SI, was their preseason number one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so it's not completely unfeasible for it to happen UCLA has that capability but we've kind of been lulled into this thing and it's it's a it's there's a couple of things I wanted just to finish this whole kind of picture of this um uh everyone will point to it's a it's different now because it's an NIL era and that's true um and they'll also use that to provide a bit of an excuse for Chip Kelly in high school recruiting. Um, but I am now, I've watched NIL and how it impacts recruiting from a pretty inside perspective. You have to now put NIL under the heading of re- of recruiting. That's that's part of it. If, if you're not going to get out there and schmooze donors, take them out to dinner, take them out to lunch, go golfing with them. If you're not going to do that on a very active basis, you are not recruiting. I'll I'll be straight with you. A couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, there was a head coach who had the choice to go out and watch 14-year-old basketball players during an evaluation period or go golfing with three big potential NIL donors. What is better for recruiting? To either go look at the potential 14 or 15 year old who you might have to spend NIL money on or go generate that NIL money. Yeah. It is part of recruiting. That's it. You cannot use it as an excuse anymore. It is part of your whole recruiting plan. You have to be active. Right now, if Chip Kelly wants to be good at recruiting, and maybe NIL, the whole situation will change in two years. But right now, the way it stands, he's going to have to do the donor thing. He's yeah. on a whole different level than he is now. Yeah, and that's the thing is this was always part of the gig. Always. Uh, and, and wait, let me just finish this off because it's related to NIL. They've been recruiting transfers really well for the last two uh, cycles. They've been doing really well. Top 10 uh Recruit, uh, transfer recruiting classes. We saw it toward the end of the transfer portal window this last time when UCLA lost out because they got pretty much outbid in NIL by other programs. 
this is while Chip Kelly has done well in in transfer recruiting before. It is now going to be about NIL. A lot of it is going to be about NIL. There will be some transfers who don't care about NIL. Sure, your Jalen Davies of of the world, solid. Uh, you know, uh, wants to come back home. Potential starter. But if you're going to go out there in the future and get the Dante Moores of the world, even and okay, that's just an absolute known thing that you needed NIL money for that. But I'm telling you, in two years, the Zach Charbonnets, you're going to need NIL. It's it's becoming so prevalent. That's where it's going. So they want to keep. Our question is always has always been, can they sustain? transfer recruiting to where they end up with a top 25 class every year and, and bring in the Zach Charbonnets, the Layatu Latus. Can they do that? They have before, and even with NIL, you, you'd argue, is it sustainable? If you're not upping your NIL game, that's one more big factor against you sustaining transfer recruiting. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it leverages a, a thing that hasn't been a strength of the program even prior to NIL becoming a thing. Um, you know, Chip Kelly has not been uh, super present in donor outreach from the beginning. I mean, that's not <laughs> that's not necessarily one of his preferred um, usages of his time. Uh, this is one where, you know, being the ambassadorial type, being the kind who can glad hand and, and do all that kind of stuff, which... Look, Chip off outside of the media lens, he's a friendly enough guy. Like he's a he's a, a you know, a pretty decent guy to talk to and you know the whole thing. But People love him. Yeah, but he's not he doesn't want he, to do it. No, he's not an ambassador. The thing is like and not to compare the two cuz you can coach a lot of different ways. You can run programs a lot of different ways, but Mick Cronin is that guy. You know, it's the reason, you know, all of his media availabilities are so, you know, oh, wow, this is just great stuff is because he, like, makes it a point to, like, really connect with your question and give a long, involved answer in the whole thing. And it's funny. And it's that doesn't turn off when the cameras are off. He's he's like that, you know, with pretty much anybody. There's been dozens of stories on the message board about, oh, yeah, I saw Mick and he talked my ear off for, like, 20 minutes about whatever uh, on the and I, you know, I just met him that day. Um, that's more and and maybe it will change as you pointed out maybe the 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 athletes will be classified as employees at some point soon and we can get out of this weird nio uh period um but as it stands it's it's not the number one job the number one job is still coaching um but it's the number two job uh, you you got to have that funding if you want to have a championship level program. Now, if you and this is go back to that question I was asking earlier, what kind of program do fans want? Because here's the thing: I don't think with a without sustainable NIL, they can even have the nine and three of last year. Um, but I also think there's a baseline level where UCLA will be no matter what. But um, if if the goal is having a, a championship contender in the Big Ten, uh. The, the NIL outreach is essential. It is absolutely essential because they need to acquire better talent with whatever approach they take, whether it's targeting in the transfer portal or targeting high school recruiting. They're going to need to upgrade the talent considerably. And um, using your, let's just use Arizona because that, that was a really good example. They, they got rushing, well, at hometown school, 
but they they sold them on NIL, and I heard it wasn't an outrageous package, but solid. Yeah. And then a really aggressive recruiting staff that really got after it with him, and that's what Jed Jed Fish is. I've heard some things. I've heard some things from Arizona basketball coaches about how hard Jed Fish is getting at it in recruiting at Arizona. Um, he, that's what he's doing. That's the way you need to go. Uh, UCLA, this UCLA staff has never been an overly aggressive recruiting staff. Someone brought it up in the message board. It was, it was really, we got to remember these things. You, you know, there used to be parties down there in Manhattan Beach at certain USC head coaches' houses during uh, r- recruiting weekends. Yep. They don't have parties at UCLA. They didn't even go out to dinner. I, I, I mean, it's these things... Even when you get the kind of character, culture, kid that you want, you still need to take it up a notch in recruiting. Uh, it has to be. Along with uh, a head coach that is fully engaged in NIL. And I'm still going to say this. With all of that that we piled on, this, it's right now it hinges UCLA's future in Chip Kelly hinges on how good the defense is this season yes it no, does so because true. if danton lynn is this genius this amazing deep and they, they could they could win 10 games they win 10 11 games something ridiculous like that heading into the big 10 their recruiting will will continue to improve i, I mean that's what this this is this is what we've been trying to tell you about ucla um it has amazing advantages in recruiting. Right now, we're telling you they're not doing a good NIL job. They're not an overly aggressive recruiting staff. And they're essentially fifth in the Big Ten yeah. per <laughs> per committed rating per player. Well, the, and, and that's the part that's like, it's, and that's what I led off with. It's by turns encouraging and also extremely frustrating. Because <laughs> like, well, it's yeah. the base, it's not like it's like the pure baseline level because... You know, there's we still have to we still have to reconcile with the Carl Durrell era, but it's pretty close to the baseline level for UCLA recruiting. Like this is where it is if you just don't do anything and you just kind of take it as it comes and you do those like basics. If you if you've got a good recruiting staff, it should be at minimum where Penn State is right now. Like it should be at minimum top twenty every single year, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, if they uh, win, yeah. it'll get there. Maybe. Yeah, so this year is about defense. They they have a top, Dave, they have a top 40, top 50 defense. They'll win nine games. No question, yeah. Um, So that's this season. The long term, I know there are questions. Well, what about the long term? Uh, if UCLA ever hired a chancellor like Charles Young, who was very into sports, if the next hire of a chancellor just, I mean, it could just be random luck that he comes in and he loves football. And he recognizes, dang, if if we have a really top 10 football team year in and year out, I'm going to get more. Well, you certainly will have more students apply, even though it's the most applied. <laughs> See, that's the, <laughs> the most applied to, most popular university in the country. Yeah, and the, and it's it's not even doing the most it can to promote itself. And the biggest thing it could do to promote itself is have a top ten football program year in and year out. So let's say he just gets this. I could in probably improve donorship 
through the athletic department and through the academic side of the university, if I just really bought in to football and made this university buy into football with all the resources, if they turn those floodgates on, I'm not saying this is going to happen in the remainder of our lifetimes, but (laughs) it, it could just be a random roll of the dice if the next chancellor happens to be a football fan, not even a basketball fan, a football fan. So uh, speaking of in our lifetimes, I'm just going to end pretty close to this because that was a great succinct encapsulation. So Batcave99 on the message board just a couple hours ago uh, posted a thread. TPDW, Instagram's new thread app. Are you guys doing an account? Why don't you guys have an Instagram? Just curious. And now I'm like, okay, I'll respond to that. And uh, I get to it about 10 minutes later. But in the meantime, all UCLA... A121 responds. And you want to know what this person said? Uh, Okay. Do they have or can they realistically afford a social media person? Great question. Love it. Dave and Tracy aren't exactly young. So it may not be (laughs) worth trying to maintain those platforms if you don't have a dedicated person for the role. Do they know we have almost 21,000 followers on Twitter? Okay, no, I've got a, I've got a few problems here, Tracy. Well, just that. What do you mean? How many? Seriously, in the, in around in the Twitterverse, what percentage of of Twitter accounts have over twenty thousand? You're well, you're okay. in kind of the elite right there. What do you first? Ta- uh. there, there's a few things here. I'm gonna, first, I'm going to mute myself because I'm about to scream. But go ahead. Aren't exactly young. I'm 37 years old. I know I look like an ancient mariner, but I'm 37. Instagram came out in like. I don't know, 2008, something like that. I was just out of college. I know Instagram. Insta it just what? doesn't. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. 10, it, 2010, 12 years ago. Okay, fine. I was a young adult. I know it. I get it. I get the Instagrams. I get the social medias. I understand. I'm with it. I'm hip. But wow, that was, that was a real eye-opener for me, Tracy. I got, I got a not exactly young. Well, this is the thing too. This is what we all want you to know. People put too much time into their social media. There, well, oh, la, la, la. there are websites that do our job that spend a lot of their day tweeting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With no value to their actual No business. value. It's just their ego thing. They want to yeah. get more likes, more people on Twitter, more follows, the whole thing. We decided, you know what? We are going to put our effort into content and give you more content, spend more time on the phone to learn more inside information rather than just stroking our little ego by writing throwaway crap on Twitter. Because one, two, we don't monetize Twitter. The only thing that's good for Twitter for us is to drive traffic to our site. We drive traffic to our site. We make some money. We can put out more content. I can hire more people. I, we can pay Dave more and he does more stuff. You understand? The people who are putting in our business, putting more time into Twitter, aren't are doing it out of... Sorry, someone's going to hear this and get mad at me, a colleague. Um but they're doing it for their ego. They're not doing yeah. it for any other reason. It's just to see their name and that they have a lot of followers. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's it's not. It would not benefit you as a subscriber of Bro at all. If you're if clanging the bell that you want some more, okay, we'll go do that and you'll get less content. 
it's it, well, and that's that's the main thing is, and this is the the marketing person answer because okay. I did that for a while. Uh, Facebook drives traffic, Twitter drives less, and uh, I'm gonna guess Threads will drive pretty similar to Twitter. Instagram drives no traffic because you can't even put links in posts. The only place you can put a link is in your profile. So it's all that's why you when you go on Instagram, it'll say if you're looking at a brand, it'll say uh blah 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 blah. for more information on this click the link in our profile um and it really 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 diminishes the ability to get to those places now there are some features you can add to like your stories where people can click on links but again it's a lot of work it's a lot of of uh commitment for very little gain because so there's and you go down a massive rabbit hole you'll start i mean dave you are a master of it you do you engage people on Twitter, but let's just admit you can go down a rabbit hole where oh, you where you're spending too much time doing it, it because it's, it's so compelling and it's like a drug and you can't stop. Well, when I was so when we first started the Bro Twitter, uh, I was doing that 100 percent of the time, and that I mean there were so many situations where I'm like babbling to you about uh, Seth Davis and the shit I was saying to him or whatever, and it's like. What am I? What am I spending my time doing? Like, what is this? Um, and it, it's like some of it is. Look, there is like this ephemeral concept of brand awareness that I think is important. Um, but I don't think there aren't many people who are going to be finding us for the first time on Instagram. And Instagram is pure brand awareness. Um, and so I just don't think it makes a ton of sense. I think we're going to have to make one just because we're going to have to make a Threads at some point. Because my guess is it's going to be the winner of the uh, the summer of the Twitter wars. Uh, just and I'm pissed. A, We've worked hard. I, you might not yeah, think this. No. We worked hard to get to 21,000 followers. I know. And we're going to have to start from scratch. We're going to have to start don't... from scratch on that, one. Two, there are some limitations. Yep. With no, right No, right now, Thread sucks. Sucks. And they, for any purpose besides... You, it's a general, your feed is just a general BS algorithm. It's not, it's not the people you follow. No, it's, it's Ugh. incredibly hard to organize. You can't find what you're looking for unless you search for it. So they have to make some changes to make it functional. The problem is we have to go where the people are. Um, and yeah, but that's why do that you a, all want us to do that if it would take away our well, we need to do it to drive traffic. No, no, no. But. We do. I, I get that. We're forced to. But as a bro who wants content and inside information, you don't want us to do that. No, no. Nobody needs to like. Nobody needs that from us. Like, and there, like, there's the the stuff we choose to do. Like, you know, Michael do live game tweets and that sort of stuff. That's because people have come to expect it from us. One, two. It's probably the time when people are searching UCLA the most. And that is probably the time period where we are most likely to get new people who have not yet heard of us or have not yet, um, you know, really, you know, kind of done a deep dive into us. So, you know, there's some traction to be gained there, but like in what's the point of doing an Instagram in like June for, bro twitter you know we, july. we got a little angry here but i i get what they're saying they just want they they so just want to follow bro they just yeah they just they want the same kind of information but they want it more accessible so they're on social media and they're just skimming through it all and, the, and that's how they get all their news 
So they want us to be more active on it. But I'm telling you, it, it's not good for for what we do at Bro. It will be counterproductive to getting you information. That and it always has been. <laughs> well, and also we're not exactly young. So no, we're we're not young heads. Jeez, Jeez oh, Well, you know what? Sorry, that's that's age by association, Dave. I apologize. No, 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 no. I think uh, when they get the video of both of us, they're like, oh, yeah, those guys, they're about the same age. <laughs> well, I take that as a compliment because I think, yeah, you look late 30s to me. I'm, I'm youthful at heart. Uh, um, the beard's got some gray, but you still look, you have a young face. It's the stress. Underneath it's all the that. Stress. It's yeah, we not, know about It's stress. not the years, it's the mileage. All right. Okay. For Tracy Pearson. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online. We'll talk to you again next time. Thanks, guys. See you later. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.